welcome to the Domination Sports Nation podcast. I'm Dom. And I'm Chris. And we're back with another episode. Dom, not only are we back with another episode, we're back with a very special guest, the one and only Gerald Glassford. You may know him from his successful slate of podcasts, Pop Culture Cosmos, for all you basketball fans, Lakers Fast Break, and he does this little fantasy football show with you and I called Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Great to have you on, uh, returning the favor. Welcome. Great to be here. I'm looking forward to a great conversation on the world of sports. Absolutely. And we need an expert. We need some juice this week. So you're the first person we'd call. Oh, sounds good. Sounds good. Just glad to be here. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. So anyway, uh, last time we spoke, we were wrapping up the fantasy football season, previewing the Super Bowl. The Rams pulled it out with a late victory. They're first championship as a, the LA Rams franchise. Uh, what were your thoughts about the game, how it panned out? I, I think our predictions were somewhat spot on, but uh, what were your emotions and analysis of the game looking back obviously, a few weeks? Well, obviously it was a very exciting game, came down to the wire, and I know the networks always love that when a game gets to go ahead and be competitive for all four quarters. I know they don't love those blowouts, which happens what for so many years straight. It was just always a blowout in the second half. Everybody would just check on out. So I'm glad to see that it came down to the final minute of the ball game. And I'm well, I'm not necessarily glad the Rams won because I'm not a Rams fan per se. I, I I do like the fact that it took place in my home, in my birthplace of Inglewood, California. I always love that, but. I do like the fact that, you know, everybody here picked the Rams, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. No one, I don't think, took the Bengals among those three. No. Correct. So we're geniuses for once. Yes. Well, yeah. and, again, you know, even with the injuries aside, it, it took a lot to go ahead for them to break up the the Cooper Cup scenario as far as that's concerned because he's playing so dynamically. And I just didn't think there was going to be any way Cincinnati could really – contain him for four quarters and that proved to be the case absolutely and i think too in the beginning stages of the game when obj scored the first touchdown it looked like what we thought was going to come to fruition was uh they were keying on cup and obj was kept getting open and when he went out of that game tearing his acl it felt like the air was left out of that balloon it took the rams you know, like a good quarter to mentally recover. And then lo and behold, uh, let's just get all the Cooper cup. Absolutely. Yeah. Just to, like, like you said, and that, that was the thing. As soon as OBJ went down to the knee injury, you think, well, maybe they could focus more on double teaming and even triple teaming at times Cooper cup and making it so that everybody else has to win the game. But, you know, for whatever reason, Cincinnati, even though they got to a lead and they were leading throughout most of the game, they still just didn't find, I guess, enough of a defensive scheme to really stop that. And that surprised me because, again, you knew where the, where the ball was going to go to if they couldn't get any of the anyone else involved. And they really, Rams, were just very inconsistent getting anyone else involved. And I'm just happy the fact that you know, we were right as far as them eventually finding Cooper Cup down the stretch. And, of course, we all know what happened at the end of the game. 
Yeah, it was definitely a great game. And like you said, Cooper Cup, it's really hard to contain him. He's a great player. He deserved Offensive Rookie of the Year. And and there's a lot of drama heading into the offseason now, especially with the Rams and Sean McVay not knowing if he was going to become a broadcaster or not. But it looks like he's returning. What are your thoughts on the Rams and Aaron Donald's situation and their situation having a lot of guys to re-sign? Absolutely. I mean, that usually happens uh, when somebody wins a championship. It's usually so hard to repeat, and very few teams do. And I mean, we saw last year with Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay uh, that everything was you know so great with Tom Brady and all that, and you saw they couldn't get back to the Magic Mountain once again. So it's just so hard to repeat. I wouldn't maybe install them as the favorites, but only a slight one. And if you ask me now, I would probably say, well, if it's the Rams or the field, I would go with the field because I don't think that you will have a repeat champion in the Rams once again. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think, like you said, it's so hard to repeat but with the Rams. They're up against the cap as it is now. I mean, I'm sure OBJ and Von Miller won't be back, but even still, you're paying Aaron Donald and Ramsey a ton of money and you basically mortgage now for the future with no first round picks. I mean, it's work for less need, but uh, you really got to hit on your draft picks and they've done a good job at that, but it just gets harder and harder to do each year. Exactly. Exactly. But again, uh, with the uh, football, it's such a violent game. So many, so much potential for injury and it, it's just so hard right now to go ahead and project out a, you know, a Super Bowl duo that's going to go ahead and compete for the championship at this point in time. It's just so early to tell. Yeah, especially because of all the quarterback shuffling that we're going to see this offseason. A lot of free agents at quarterback and a lot of players that possibly want to trade like Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, and a lot of other quarterbacks. Maybe even Aaron Rodgers. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> that's your guy. Well, that's my guy in the fantasy side because, I mean uh, – you can't argue with his success uh, on, as far as the statistics are concerned. I mean, I know that Chris and I, way, even before you came on to the Inside Sports Fantasy Football Show, I mean, we were talking about his level of consistency and the fact that he throws very few mistakes. And I have a personal preference towards quarterbacks that throw a minimum of interceptions. And even if they don't throw a number you know the highest amount of touchdowns i've always worried about the mistakes and to me i think that's something that i i, I have a tendency to gravitate towards to and yeah aaron Rodgers, uh the immunization issues aside i think that uh looking at it statistically he's been a very sound individual he's he's carried me to a lot of success indeed um again i think that'll be one of the huge question mark season although he seemed to tempered it down a bit his engagement is broken off so uh i think he's laying low a, a little bit here for a while but uh it's a good segue into what our next topic is for you gerald the off seasons here i tend to think you know there's nothing very much nfl football but i feel as though their off season might be the, the best of all the major sports you know the nba has a nice free agency period there, but I feel like everything gets leaked before it really happens anyway. And with the NFL, you know, you get things out of the blue, like Tom Brady going to the Bucks during a, a pandemic lockdown, things like that. So I look forward to that. We've got the combine here coming up this week. What 
do you think are the, the major storylines? I'm not going to go say here, who do you think will go where? But I mean, right off the bat, we've got Kyler Murray. Looks like he's in some sort of contract issue with the Cardinals. Ru- Russell Wilson's kind of gone silent. We don't know what to read there. What do you think stands out heading into March? Well, a lot of this NFL is predicated on the quarterbacks. I I kind of disagree. I think we, you know, just a little bit kind of disagree with you. It's just that I think the NBA offseason is a little bit more interesting. Just the fact that I think the NFL sometimes drags things out like it's, you know, 15 day long NFL draft seemingly and uh, sometimes the fact that, you know, which what money is actually guaranteed, which money is not guaranteed, you could be cut you could be actually the prize free agent one summer and then in a matter of months be cut and your entire you know most of your salary is gone so the kind of monopoly money that they actually offer and what realistically they end up getting these players sometimes leads me into question on what's going on although the activity obviously is better than you know as far as anybody seemingly can go anywhere at any given time pending the right offer and pending the right deal than any league including the nba so i give you that there and, and I just think right now the questions, like you said, with Kyler Murray, you don't know his status, what's going on with Arizona. They just recently re-signed and extended their coaching staff. So if he has issues with the coaching staff, they're not going anywhere. So he either has to go ahead and make amends with what's going on in Arizona or he's on the outs. And uh, that that's the case. He, you know, Arizona is going to have to retool and, and just ask for a major trade and see what they can do from there. Like you said, with Russell Wilson, how much does he have left in the tank? Because, again, there's a situation there where he had the worst offensive line for years and he was sacked so many times and injured so much. You don't know how much he has left in the tank, but because he is Russell Wilson, he's going to get some type of name if he puts himself out there or the, the Seahawks put him, themselves out there in the marketplace because they need to retool. Uh, it's just a lot of questions there. And then, of course, Green Bay – the GM just announced that they're not getting any calls for Aaron Rodgers. So now probably they'll start getting calls for Aaron Rodgers. So there's a possibility he could be leaving from there. And, you know, that relationship between them, each other per se, if even if Aaron Rodgers decides to come back has always been strained. So yeah, very interesting things to see. And it always seems to predicate around the quarterback position. So yeah, we'll definitely take a look and see what's going on and definitely be interested by what comes out of it. Yeah, and there's definitely a trend now with quarterbacks in the NFL really trying to get these big contracts. You saw the Mahomes contract when he won a Super Bowl. He got got all that money from the Chiefs, and it's starting to look like the NBA where a lot of these superstars like to hold out, like James Harden, for example, and end up getting traded or going to another team where they think they'll be successful elsewhere. So it's starting to see a little bit of a trend here with superstar players in the NBA and quarterbacks really kind of holding out because of money or they just don't like being where they are it's just weird though you know the way that the nfl has always set it up i understand it's more volatile but the fact that you know somebody can sign a 40 50 60 100 million dollar contract and end up only getting uh, you know just a small portion of it because they can be cut you know at any given point of time is really to me quite concerning i mean from the standpoint where you see an nba all of it's guaranteed I mean, Russell Westbrook, you know, the you know the source of much consternation here in the Los Angeles Lakers area, or if you're a Los Angeles Lakers fan, it doesn't matter how bad he plays. doesn't matter how good he plays. 
he'll still get 44 million this year and 47 million the next. So in, I think that, you know, at some point in time, when they go back to the table, NFL does like the MLB players, it, it, you know, the MLB players are even guaranteed with virtually all of their dollars that they earn. So at some point in time, the NFL might look at the players, at least might want to look back at that and say, you know what, we got to get more guaranteed because I think that's, you know, the volatility and the, the sheer possibility for injury and violence necessitates them getting more guaranteed dollars in their contracts. Yeah, I, I definitely get that point, but you read my mind with Westbrook. I think he's the poster child for uh, guaranteed money in professional sports, at least this year, yeah. right? So, uh, you know, when you've got teams clamoring to trade for him in the next year or so, just so they can uh, have his money off the books the following year, that's uh, that's another thing. Well, they thing will this th- summer, that's for sure. That, yeah. I mean, this, so far, lately, no. I mean, because there's still another year on his contract, but... Now that uh, it's going to come down to something having to happen either during the summer or by the February trade deadline, yes, that's $47 million that could be coming off the books in 2023. And that's very enticing, like I said, for next summer and going forward. Yeah, so at times I feel like if you're a CPA, you can understand the NBA a little better than some other sports. But uh, that's I can say that because I used to be an accountant. Uh, hope no accountants are offended in this message. <laughs> but uh, bef- before we move on to what, what I know your favorite topic is, Gerald, NBA basketball, uh, just so you could tell our listeners a little bit about your two podcasts that we mentioned and what the hot topics you've been discussing as of late. Well, I'll tell you what, I appreciate again the platform to go ahead and not only talk with you guys, but to give everybody a shout out and let everybody know what's going on with my shows. What's been going on lately? Uh, Well, actually, I'm going to tell everybody what's coming up in the not too distant future, just as we record this. First up, I'm going to say for the Lakers fast break, not only we do all the post games for all the Lakers games, which lately have not been that cheery, but we go ahead and we call it like we see it and have some uh, rousing discussions with my various panel of guests who you know stop on by from various Lakers sites and various basketball sites from all around the world so really appreciate the time they come on and after the games and they go ahead and they rant they rave and they share their opinion on the Los Angeles Lakers because all of us that you know are on the show and and a lot of people that come on the show are very diehard fans so truly appreciate that but not only do we have post games we also have you guys stop by for time on the Lakers fast break. Also as well, I've, I've had other guests that chop by talking the NBA draft and talk about NBA draft experts stopping by, going ahead and telling you who's going to fall where that's coming up. And I know, I know with March Madness, it's going to be very important for a lot of players' draft positions. But for this week, I will tell you outside of the post games, you do want to check out my latest interview with award-winning author Jeff Perlman who wrote the book Showtime, which is available right now on Amazon and Barnes Noble. That book, by the way, is the precipice and the basis for the upcoming HBO series Winning Time. And I had a chance to sit down with him and speak to him. This is my second occasion in doing so. He has a more recent Los Angeles Lakers book, The Three Ring Circus, on the Kobe, Shaq, and Phil era, a Phil era that, that actually a lot of people uh, you know, appreciated and liked. But this was his original Lakers book that covered the Lakers dynasty in the 1980s. And it was optioned out to HBO Max. And they're actually going to drop that that series starting this weekend called Winning Time. So I talked to him not only about his book, about the current Lakers situation, but also as well 
about his time with Winning Time and HBO, how they set it up. He's seen all the episodes. He's actually in one of the episodes. So he gives you the lowdown on what's going on. Not only that, if you didn't catch it on the Lakers Fast Break, I will also have that interview upcoming on Friday's PCC Multiverse, part of the Pop Culture Cosmos channel, wherever you get your podcasts, and also on radio stations worldwide. Not only that, he's going to go in. Not only do I have that interview for, for on both of those shows, but I will also let everybody know on the on the PCC Multiverse on Friday, we're going to be talking the Batman, Gran Turismo 7, and so much more because we cover the latest news and trends of pop culture right there on the Pop Culture Cosmos. Excellent. Now I can I take remember, a breath. Yeah, that's, well, well done. You, you fit it in before we went to the next commercial. Um, I remember when you first had him on, and that was a big cue, but to get on again is, is awesome. Uh, Dom and I have seen the commercials. Uh, we will be setting the DVR or on the lookout for it on the HBO Max app, whatever the case is, whatever Yeah, TV. actually, it, it drops Sunday night, and HBO, HBO is very, very – excited for this they put a lot of press out for it in fact it was really cool surreal that there's actually a moment that he talks about uh, you know jeff perlman does in our interview he talks about a very surreal moment when it comes to the advertising of that show because it's based off of his book or a lot of it is based off of his book so it's it's really quite fascinating to go ahead and sit down and talk with him on that so yeah definitely looking forward to it forward to it they're hoping that it will end up being the next euphoria because euphoria this year on hbo max has been a tremendous hit peacemaker has been a very good hit for them too as well they also have uh, i think uh, you know a couple other shows that they've come down the pike with so they're really looking forward to continue that momentum with winning time so i'm hoping they will do that as well yeah, Adam McKay. I know Will Ferrell's uh, right hand man uh, was the brain. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, I know they've since parted, but uh, it was you know, a think... it was a relationship. If you if rumor has it, and what most news outlets were saying, it was a relationship that started to part ways beforehand because they used to own a production company together, and they started they parted started to part ways. But the real kicker on everything was reportedly the fact that Will Ferrell. And Will Ferrell did not get the role of Jerry Buss in this upcoming series. And his stepbrother's uh, co-star, uh, John C. Riley, did. Mm. So I think that was I was told from what or what not. I was told by um, Jeff Perlman because he doesn't elaborate too much on it. But most reports out there, I should say, have it as the final straw that broke the camel's back. Very interesting. Good work, but uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to that. And uh, I know Jim Rome had Perlman on his podcast, so you're, you're in good company. You beat Jim Rome to him. Uh, it was just great. It was just great to talk to him. He, was a, he seems like a really nice guy, really down to earth. He's just happy as a lark that the series is coming out. And he, I mean, it, I, he's in that stage where, okay, HBO just wanted something of mine. I think that's cool. You know, some as he indicated that there are authors out there who they, you know, these companies, these Hollywood, you know, production companies, they come in, they buy out their, their, buy the rights to whatever book that they're trying to do. And then they go ahead and change things or put in a different direction. And that makes the authors mad. Now, he's just happy. He's just happy that it, it's, it's coming to screens and his vision of what he saw with his book is going to come to a screen in some form near you pretty soon. Excellent, excellent. Well, moving on, NBA. Um, Do we have to? 
Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, I mean, uh, Dom, Dom would we'd be remiss if Dom couldn't pop a few NBA related questions at you. I will, uh, I will sit back and then save my typical Knicks question, which I've been asking for the last, oh, I don't know, 30 plus years, but uh, I'll yeah, say that. Yeah, that's what end. I get. That's why I keep getting told lately is like, Gerald, it could be worse. You could be a Knicks fan. That's true. <laughs> it's absolutely true. So, uh, you know, as I said many times on our podcast and your show, there's a reason I told Dom when he was a young, young boy, do not root for the New York Knicks, whatever you do. No. No, but it's proven <laughs> to be the case, unfortunately. So, so uh, Dom, the the floor is yours. You you guys, uh, you guys are the experts here. I'm going to sit back and enjoy. All right. Well, the NBA is in an interesting place right now. The Eastern Conference is actually the more competitive conference right now. The six seeded yes. Celtics are only four and a half games out of the number one seed. So, the Eastern Conference is wide open. Gerald, do you see a sole team that could maybe? make a playoff run in this really deep conference? Well, I was actually one of the few that said the trade Brooklyn for Philadelphia, the Simmons for Harden trade actually almost was an even trade. I'm going to say maybe Brooklyn's still on their side and will end up in the long run being the winner on this, but getting Harden seems to invigorate that Philadelphia team to the point where they're a real challenger for the Eastern conference. But nobody should underestimate Miami. Miami is just going under the radar, and they seem to have, a, you know, once they're he- all healthy, which they're getting close to being, they seem to have a really stacked team themselves. Brooklyn, you know, once they get Simmons out there playing with a little playing time, you know, KD is coming back the week that we that this airs, and, and also the fact that Kyrie Irving, we don't know the situation with the vaccination, you know, style, so. As far as the laws there, he could get freed up to go ahead and play home games sometime in the near future. So if that's the case, I mean, they're a viable contender because they have a little bit deeper roster now after that trade. Plus, they'll have someone that can play on the perimeter or play defense against any position that is needed one through five with Ben Simmons. And Ben Simmons, it's great for him because he doesn't have to worry about scoring and also Kevin Durant there to, to go ahead to shoot the rock. Plus you got a whole bunch of shooters there as well. If Joe Harris comes back, that just makes them even deeper. So they could be a viable contender. And then you have the defending champion, uh, Milwaukee, who've been struggling as of late Brooke Lopez. If he gets healthy, they, they should see a, a you know, a, a bump up at some time in the near future. And of course you don't underestimate Jonas Tentacumpo. I did once. And I will never do so again because to see his performance in the finals just showed me that he has got that 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 little extra, that something, that special something that go ahead uh, that that separates the the best from all the rest. And I think that you see teams right there that are really good contenders. And then you have Boston, which looks so bad for for a good portion of the year, which has turned it around. They're now able to score the basketball. It all depends on Jalen Brown and how fast he he turns around from a recent ankle injury. We'll see what's going on there. But they play better defense to, statistically than anybody in the NBA. So they're a yeah. viable contender. The only one of the top echelon I think that you shouldn't really take seriously is Cleveland. They just don't have enough ways to manufacture points. I think they're defensively a little bit, uh, you know, they're there. They're one of the best defensive teams, you know, obviously with all the height that they can throw out there at you. But 
the things with the scoring end of it, they're just, it's just so hard for them to go ahead and manufacture points that I think in a playoff series is going to be to their detriment. So I think there's like at least five teams that you could say right now is a viable contender, maybe even six that you could say are viable contenders to the, to the, you know, to go all the way on the Eastern conference. Yeah, it's wide open indeed, but I think you're forgetting one team, and that's the Chicago Bulls, led by Demar Derozan. They've I been... knew you were going to say that. I'm, <laughs> I'm, you know, Chicago Bulls. I'm just going to lay it out there. I, I, they're, they've had such a great run, and I think some people have said that they're playing a little bit over their heads. And obviously, you've seen with Demar Derozan scoring 30 plus a game for so many different games. The thing is, do they have a tall enough wing? to go ahead and defend a Kevin Durant or Giannis Antetokounmpo on the perimeter. Yeah. I don't think they do. Patrick yeah. Williams, he's not ready yet. Even if he gets healthy, he's not ready yet. You throw a second-year guy at them, I don't think that's going to be enough. I really think that's a tall ask for Chicago. Chicago has played good defense with Alex Caruso, who should still be on the Lakers, but that's another issue. <laughs> uh, I, I think that, you know, the obviously having uh, Lonzo Ball there has been a great addition. And, of course, Zach Levine, if he can stay healthy, is, is obviously someone's going to light it up. I just think on the wing that they're going to have trouble defending, and that's the reason why I think that they're not quite there as of yet. Yeah, I think – they're a great team all around, but I think the only thing they're missing is size. They have Nikola Vucevic, but I wouldn't really count him as a full-size center, like a Jarrett. They really need a Jared Allen type of center if they really want to get to that next level as a team. But they do they have need a three or four with some height that can guard the Durant's Antetokounmpo's. Otherwise, it's a really bad matchup for them. Yeah, it's bad for them. That's why I was expecting a move during the trade deadline. They didn't really do anything, but. All around, I think it's a pretty good roster. I think they can somehow manage to win a playoff series or maybe even two if they get lucky. But watch out for the Bulls because we've seen some teams make runs in the playoffs, and I think they yeah. could be one of these teams. I wouldn't say I would. I mean, I did pick Atlanta over New York, but I did not expect them to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. So we could have another surprise team like that this year. And if that's the case, I would probably. It wouldn't be too much of a surprise because they've been leading the Eastern Conference a good portion of the season. So definitely won't want to underestimate them. And you're absolutely right on that. I just don't think they have an answer for a Kevin Durant if he starts to light it up. I understand that uh, it, it's just it's hard to say. I mean, in a playoff series where matchups are so important, I just think there are teams out there that could you know, slow down a little bit, Chicago. I'm just not sure Chicago can slow down all the East teams in the Eastern conference. I just think, I just worry about that, that tall three or four that could, you know, that that's not there that can match up against a Giannis or a Kevin Durant, or even, you know, with uh, Joel and B. Joel yeah, yeah. He's playing like an MVP. So uh, you really trust Vucevic to go ahead and guard MB. For 48 minutes? No, I, I don't trust that at all. So, the, I mean, it's just a question I, I have. I know each and every one of these teams has issues along, you know, at certain points in, in on the roster that, that it, to me, it's, again, like you said, it's such a close Eastern Conference. Yeah, it's a mix of so wide open. Yeah, it's all about matchups. To me, it's all about where these teams break out as far as in the bracket 
and a team like Chicago could have some favorable matchups and could go all the way to the finals. So that could very easily happen. But I just think that you're not going to be able to avoid both uh, Philadelphia, uh, also as well Milwaukee, and Brooklyn. You're not going to be able to avoid all three, and that's a really hard deal to overcome. Yeah, it'll be hard. But moving on to the Western Conference, it's not as wide open as I thought it would be this year. It's really the top three teams have been dominating the Suns, the Golden State Warriors, and the Memphis Grizzlies, which have been a really surprising team. John Morant playing like an MVP. He recently had a 52-point game this week. He's been going off. What do you think about John Morant so far? Absolutely incredible. He is in my top five currently. Luka Doncic just is starting to sneak in there as well because he's helping Dallas play well. I mean, John Morant is playing incredible basketball. It's just amazing to see exactly how well this team in Memphis has gelled. They play such a, a really hard level of basketball. And I think what really did it for him was when John Morant was injured for about 10 to 12 games, and they only lost once or twice during that span. And they came together as a basketball team, and John Morant came back, and I think he took note of that and decided, you know what, I want to make sure I don't be that, that I'm not that bump in the road, that I'm not that player that's, okay, I'm back, so everybody has to adhere to me, that I am now have to be adhering to the team and play within the team structure. And I think it's really worked out. They've played extremely good basketball. They have such a deep team, and and it's young, it's athletic, it's got size, it's got all the parameters there. Golden State, you know, they got off to such a great start, but they have faltered as of late. So, you got you know, the questions are there. Obviously, yeah, getting Draymond Green is yeah the yeah. Draymond Green injury has been the problem. Yeah, getting him back is a key, but also as well, can you get uh, some more size? Because I think that they need some more size in there, and you know, can they get uh, all their young players? You know, so one of them who who's actually been a little bit injured says, can we get them all back and get get that team healthy? So if they're all healthy, obviously with what the you know firepower they have, they're a shot to go all the way. And then, of course, you have what's going on in Phoenix and Chris Paul that's out six to eight weeks, uh, you know, with his thumb injury or his hand injury. And, you know, we'll see what happens there. But I think by the time he gets back, he should get back into the swing of things rather easily. And Phoenix is going to be, once again, one of the top choices in the Western Conference, without a doubt. The yeah, Jazz, the team to beat. Jazz is, is, is touch, touch and go. I think, you know, some days they look like world beaters. Some days like they look, you know, the Lakers beat them the other day. So, you know, it's neither here nor there. Yeah, I think the team that a lot of people are forgetting about is the Denver Nuggets. Nikola Jokic, MVP last year. He's been playing really well this season. And Jamal Murray, I don't know what that situation is, but he should be back at some point. So Porter is coming back as well. Porter is, Michael Porter Jr. is expected to come back sooner than Jamal Murray. But if both guys come back and can play at a even comparative 75 to 80% of what they normally are by the time the playoffs run, yeah, they do, they could have a run in store for them as well. Yeah, they could do what they did in the bubble. I'm not, well, I know Jamal Murray won't be actually 100% after a torn ACL, but I think the Nuggets can make a little run at it. And then maybe the Clippers, I know they've been ravaged with injuries, obviously. No Paul George, no Kawhi Leonard, but once they get those two guys back, they're contenders, obviously. Well, Tyron Lue has been uh, you know, a great credit as far as a coach is concerned. He's done a great job there keeping the team in and around 500. 
Will they get those two guys back? Who knows? If they don't, if they decide to sit them down for the rest of the season, I don't I don't expect very much from the Clippers. But if they do get Paul George and Kawhi back, you never know what can happen. Yeah, and then another team that's in the mix is the Mavericks. I don't think of them as much as a contender. I know Luka has been playing really well as of late, but I think and the they problem... play great defense. They're the number two defensive team in the NBA. Yeah, I think the problem, though, is just the center position for them. They trade Porzingis, and they don't really have a sole center that can do the dirty work for them. And I think they could find a center in free agency, but I think I don't know about them when it comes to playoff time with all the matchups. That's, again, like you said, it's always about the matchups. I think that this could be the year that they break through and, and maybe possibly win around, but I don't expect much more than that. Yeah, I don't either. Hey, Gerald, I'm here. This has been highly entertaining and far more enjoyable than the fake debate shows, which shall remain nameless on the uh, the major networks. But uh, <laughs> you guys clearly know your stuff, and, and that's the beauty of podcasts. You know, you, you have a voice to share this stuff, and it's not all about uh, hot takes and screaming. But uh, one well, thing if I I'm, get paid enough for it, I'll do that for you. Uh, <laughs> I, every, everyone's got a price. I don't begrudge you that. But uh, to, to kind of put a bow on this uh your area of expertise the lakers what the heck went on this year and and how did the wheels come off and and do you think lebron's on his way out of town in the near future well at this rate lebron could be uh you know i think the team has got some major decisions to make from the top down i think that it even starts with the owner Jeannie bus herself what kind of team do you want to mold or you know, if you're just going to go get you know, these three superstars that you're going to pay a predominant amount of money to and then get go cheap everywhere else, it doesn't work out for you. We've seen that clearly this year. And obviously the choices that they made from a general manager standpoint, but also as well, Russell Westbrook with getting together with LeBron and LeBron having an influence on, on him signing with the team. Uh, you know, if you just had a clear head about it, and you weren't a jaded Lakers fan looking just straight at it saying, oh, it's great having Russell Westbrook here. If you looked at it from a distance like I did, you saw the problems that were going to happen. And the fact is, it did happen, and he took so much cap space that you really weren't able to build a full team around them, and it's shown up all year long. I mean, their defense is awful. Their offense is sporadic. In the half court, they're awful as well. They're only a transition team. That's the only thing that they can do decently. But again, they also miss a ton of layups. They shoot free throws awful. I mean, they do. They are exactly where they should be as a below 500 team because of all the things statistically that have proven out to be the case. So that to me is a is a problem from the top down in the organization. I mean, I would love to see the team get sold and a whole organizational remake from the top down take place. But I know I won't get that. All I can tell you is that they'll do the obligatory five, six players. They'll see who can take Westbrook off their hands and to see if they can get enough back for it to go ahead and build a team and go from there. I think that's the best that they're going to do. I really think they need to look into some trade options for AD. LeBron, if you know, if people say, oh, trade, trade LeBron, trade LeBron. Well, I think LeBron, if he wants to leave, will decide he wants to leave. The Lakers aren't going to do it for him. But AD, with his injury history, may you may need to start looking into that option so just to try and see what you can do to build or rebuild a team going forward because this team is not getting it done. Yeah, and they're just getting older. I mean, I remember 
the day the, the deal was announced for Westbrook, Dom and I just kind of looked at each other as uh, all these myopians on the Lakers channel here on the radio were glowing about the move. But uh, yeah, you were, you were one of the few who saw the forest through the trees. Uh, it's a mess. The team got older. And, and like you hit on earlier, guys like Alex Caruso, they don't cost you a lot of money, but when you've got a guy making that much money or, or like you say, the big three eating that much cap, you got it's these about quality the, it's role about players. The tax. It wasn't about signing Caruso for X amount. It was signing Caruso for X amount and then paying the tax on it. The right. Lakers teams don't want to do, do, that. do that, whether it's baseball no. or the NBA. Like the tax yeah. is a no-no. And that's the problem. That's what winning teams do. The Lakers are still in the tax regardless, but they didn't want to pay even more tax for a guy like Alex Caruso that they felt wasn't good enough to go ahead and be a difference maker. We're finding out that the – you know, he is a difference maker. What he's done for Chicago in the times that he's actually been on the floor has been tremendous for the defense. And what he has, you know, not been there for the Lakers, you see it plain as day. But the thing is, they, they see the error where he's after. And we need people in place that need to evaluate these things on a better basis. I mean, some of these things, uh, some of these maneuvers that they made have just been truly head scratching. And you know, when you do make when you make too many bad moves in a row or in succession over a period of time, it comes back on you, and it's coming back on us now. Yeah, it definitely is. I don't like the Westbrook trade at all, giving up a lot of that depth. And look at Kyle Kuzma now; he's freed from the Lakers, and he's playing halfway decent this year for the Wizards. So, yes, I is. mean, a lot of things can change. And I know this may sound a little controversial, but. I don't know about the Anthony Davis trade either. I know they did get their ring and from the bubble, but besides that, you lose you lose Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram's performing at a high level for the Pelicans. Josh Hart is somehow become a good. You lose all that young depth for a player that's been getting injured for the past couple. Of... But I will go back at you and say, you know what? They got the championship. That's all that matters. It's all it. You know, if I look at it as far as AD and LeBron. Even if they only get this one title, the title that they won in the bubble, they got the one title in the bubble. And that's more than a lot of teams can say. And for me, it's all been about, okay, they get the title, the rest is gravy. And the problem is these the fans and the team and the organization is expecting more than gravy, is expecting a lot more than that. And when you've won 17 world championships, your expectations are a lot higher. Would I love another championship uh, with LeBron and AD? Yes, absolutely. But I just don't see it happening unless some major changes are made. Yeah, and that would definitely have to include getting rid of Westbrook. But I don't know what team is going to take him, especially on that contract as well. Well, that again, like I said, in the summer, it becomes a lot more attractive. And the closer it gets to next February, it becomes even more attractive because the fact that you'll have some teams that already know that they're either going to be out of the picture or want to go ahead and save cap space. And if that's the case, even if he's on the Lakers team, he'll still be a very wanted commodity come next February, simply because of the fact that's $47 million off the books. Yeah, you're definitely right about that. I mean, look at 2023, the, whoever is coming out for free agents at that point in time, you want to have $47 million open to go ahead and spend on them. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Gerald, before we, we wrap up and uh, a fantastic show, thanks again for coming on. I uh, oh, appreciate it. Thank you guys for allowing me to be on the show. And yeah, you know, I got the joint. Yeah. Um, not to, not to be a buzzkill here and take away from our favorites. 
about football and basketball, but I just want to get your thoughts on this mess, which is an understatement, that is the MLB lockout. Rob Manfred yesterday coming out and uh, telling everyone how much the owners offered to players and then announcing that the first two series of the season will be canceled. Uh, What do you think? Can this get fixed? Who's right? Who's wrong, in your opinion? Should we be surprised? MLB has done this, what, two times before? Three? Where they've actually gone and, and had extended periods of, of being on strike? I mean, this doesn't surprise me. And again, as we're seeing with all facets of our society right now, we don't learn from our past mistakes. <laughs> Indeed. And in, in this case, the owners locked the players out. Um I remember the the 94 lockout that ended the season, uh, no World Series, and like like you said, uh, people have short-term memories. I remember that. I was bitter back then uh, as a Yankee fan, and the team was up and coming, and what we didn't know at the time was at the start of their dynasty, but uh, the thing that stands out to me is this is a a sport, whether you like it or not, that's declining in popularity. Yeah, fans still go to the game. It's a summer sport. People like to go and be outside and watch baseball. But I read a stat yesterday where uh, the the World Series ratings in terms of viewers from 1991 through last year, 2021, has decreased 67%. And that's there's so much apathy for the sport. Absolutely. Yep. No I mean, people could, people could just care less about the 162 games because they think the season is too long. Nobody cares. You know, just get us to the World Series and there you go. And even if that's the case, not everybody really, well, like you said, watches it anymore. It's just something that, again, at this point in time, it's there. It's And sorry for also dating you and I, but a lot of people think it's as your dad's game or your yeah. grandfather's game. It's not my game. It's not catered to a modern audience basketball translates well to the eyes visually football translates well to the eyes visually baseball doesn't and no matter how many things that they do to speed up the game there's still things and components in there that make it so that baseball is still something that's stuck in the past and as long as it remains as such it's going to be a very hard deal to make it the national pastime once again Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And, and Dom, as the youngster here, uh, I know you've said this before, it's just for your generation, it's a slow sport, right? Yeah, it's slow. It's not at a fast pace like how the NBA is or the NFL where there's something exciting happening every play. It's just not like that unless there's a home run derby every single game. It's not interesting to young fans. No, the worst thing that happens in baseball games is there's a pitching duel that breaks out. absolutely well before we wrap up gerald and thanks again for appearing um anything you'd like to plug how can we follow you and subscribe to your great uh slip shows out there well thank you so much again for the time both you guys truly appreciate it i'll just say again uh, you know my shows obviously starting off with the lakers fast break covering the latest news and trends with the lakers and also the nba you want to just go ahead and follow us at Lakers Fast Break on Twitter or just go ahead and catch the Lakers Fast Break podcast wherever you can. We're also on Facebook and YouTube. You can see our post games there, which are very entertaining. You can catch it on replay or check it out on the road wherever you get your podcast. Plus, I also want to mention the thing that I'm doing for several years now, which is the Pop Culture Cosmos. 
We cover the latest news and trends in pop culture there. Every Monday and Friday, we have new shows that drop on the Pop Culture Cosmos, wherever you get your podcasts. I highly recommend it if you're into whatever it is, Marvel, you're into DC, you're into video games, you're into pro wrestling, you're into streaming. We talk a ton about the streaming business and the stuff that works on behind it. We talk about a lot about the numbers, talk about law, obviously review a lot of shows. What are the shows that are trending out there? We talk a lot about what's going on. I mean, seriously, the world of pop culture seemingly never stops changing each and every week. And we cover it all right there for you at Pop Culture Cosmos. Or if you want the latest news in the world of pop culture, just go ahead and check us out on Facebook at Pop Culture Cosmos. Thank you for the plugs, Gerald. Thank you for being a great guest. And thank you, Dad, as well. And thank you guys for listening to the Domination Sports Nation podcast. We'll be